This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. That's right. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater, and you are tuned to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010. Uh, You know what? I'm not sure how many of you are out there fighting the crowds or if you are snug in your house and just uh, tuning in to listen to some real estate dribble. Well, you know what? I love being able to chat with everybody about real estate, and there's always lots in the news to deal with. And uh, you know what? Here we are. Just to give you a quick update, our next show is into 2017 and with our new time slot being at 3 p.m. So remember, change the dial to 3 p.m. to right here to News Talk 1010 on Saturdays because Simply Real Estate is being changed from 4 o'clock to 3 o'clock. Um, bunch of stuff I want to talk to you about today. I've got some great guests joining me, in fact. Um, most importantly, uh, we're going to be talking, you know, what's going on in the marketplace. Um, shortly, we're going to be having Paul Etherington. He is from Royal uh, Heritage Realty joining us. He is, um, he's definitely a professional. He's been in the industry for so many years. We're going to be talking about the East End, uh, more or less, uh, you know, Pickering, Whitby, Oshawa, uh, the areas that a lot of people, you know, f- kind of listen to the name and kind of, do I really want to live there? Listen, folks, there are some amazing neighborhoods out in that area and they are still affordable. And so I'm going to be talking a little bit later with Paul Etherington about that. Also coming in from BNN, I've got Greg Bennell and Greg and I are going to be talking uh, kind of a, kind of a, you know, bit of a wind up on 2016, what we can look at for 2017. Always great to have him. He is the host of House Money on BNN and you can tune in that at 5.30 on Tuesdays. So he'll be joining me in a little while. Now, of course, just to give you an update uh, from the Simple Investor, we've got a heck of a 2017 in store for everyone uh, for our investment cycles. We've got a lot going on. The new RSP program is out there. We've got a new release coming January. And I'm proud to announce that we will be opening up our new real estate invest investor training facility in 2017. And this is going to be able to put a more of a spotlight on people that want to be either self-managing and learn more about real estate investment itself. We're going to be opening up some new programs. So look for that for 2017. It's going to be really exciting. Something I've wanted to do for years and we're going to finally be able to have the facility to do it with. So very, very exciting here at the world of uh, the Simple Investor. And of course, as I mentioned, our RSP program, uh, you know what? Your RSPs, think about what you want to do with them for 2017. Are they giving you the returns you're looking for? Well, with our new program, uh, guaranteed 8% interest rate return to you minimum with a 2% lender's fee. So you're looking at 10% to find out more. Go to thesimpleinvestor.com and uh, we will be sending out everybody lots of information over the next six to eight weeks on everything that's going on in the world of us with The Simple Investor. And it's very, very exciting. So, so much to uh, to look forward to in 2017 for our investors and people that want to be real estate investors. Now, of course... One of the things in the news, as usual, is a lot of people are wondering, is 2017 the year that the Toronto real estate bubble is going to burst? You know what? This probably the best way for me to turn around and discuss this, because, you know, one of the things that I do get a lot of emails, people say, hey, Todd, is uh, is the bubble going to burst or is it just going to keep going? We're in a position right now uh, in a marketplace that... 
you can teeter either way. Now, what I mean by that is that I believe that the growth will continue in the GTA market. But that doesn't mean that you should be speculating into the market. You have to be really cautious what you're going to spend over the next couple of years in real estate. And if you're looking at long-term closing, meaning that you're buying something from a builder, they say, listen, we're going to close in about five years from now. Uh, I would caution you not to do it. Right now, I think one of the most important things you should be looking at is if you're buying for your family, uh, don't do it as a speculation. Buy because you want to be in the area, you want to live there, you've got plans. But if you're going to be doing any form of long closing, remember Todd's number one cardinal rule is make sure you have an assignment clause in the offer. And an assignment clause means that you have the ability to sell your actual agreement of purchase and sale prior to closing. You know, I hate to say it, but life happens. You can lose your job, you can lose your spouse, you can have something happen that you will not be able to close four years from now, and it could happen midway through the next you know, few years. If this happens, you want to have the ability to get yourself removed from the actual purchase. And having the assignment clause is the most important thing that you put in that offer other than having the lawyer's review, your finance conditions. Make sure you have it, folks. Never, ever, ever buy new construction without the ability of having an assignment clause. I can't stress that enough. If you come to my seminars, you will hear me stress that. It is on a massive screen and it's my number one rule. Make sure you protect yourselves. Life happens. Now, speaking of life happening though, Hamilton is pretty much at the top of the market in Canada. You know, for years, people were looking at Hamilton saying, you know, dirty, ugly city, you know, really bad tenants. And yet it has come out of the ashes and it is doing exceptionally well. In fact, looking at the real estate market year over year in Hamilton, in some parts, 19.8% increase. That is huge in a marketplace like Hamilton. And so they have done exceptionally well. They say that the chances are next year, it's going to continue to go up. Now, one of the reasons why we have to figure out why this actually was happening is the fact that the market was so depressed. You know, it was down at what I would say, not even brick and mortar cost for years. And so the run up, once people realize that it's a good market, you'll start seeing this. And this is why Hamilton will eventually stabilize because it still is an outer market. And so again, I wouldn't be a speculator going there, but if you're looking for affordability and you want a decent place to live and they've been doing a ton of work in Hamilton, I would definitely encourage that market. Marketplace. You know, we've had some experts on from Hamilton on with us in the past, and they definitely can give you some encouragement why you should be there. You know, in that's the funny thing. In the GTA, I think that most people that live in a marketplace have nothing bad to say about it. And so you really have to make your decision on what is it that you want. And not so much that what everybody's telling you, because, you know, I don't know anybody will, that will say a bad thing about any market. They, you know, this is a great market. Yeah, it's, it's affordable. It's doing great. And I mean, look, people still believe that Toronto is a great market and it's affordable. And I know a lot of you people are saying, hang on, Todd, it is a great market, and, and it, but not so much affordable. But for some people, they still deem it affordable. And if you were to compare against New York City, Toronto is basically like a suburb. Um, in comparison in price-wise. So there is the rationale that being a world-class market, we are still very, very affordable. Now, 
What are we going to be looking for uh, in 2017? Well, again, keep our eye on interest rates. You know, with the with the U.S. pushing their interest rates up, we're going to probably see some kind of stress on us here. I don't see it happening right away. Uh, listening to all the experts, what they've been telling us directly is the fact that they think that the interest rates are going to stay pat for 2017. Now, if our economy jumps up. If the oil, the increase of the cost of oil goes up a little, if we start seeing a rebound in the Canadian market, eventually they're going to have to put some pressure on the upward trend, which means that maybe mortgage rates start to stabilize in around a 3% interest rate. But talking to some of our professionals out there, they've been telling me that people are still getting five-year mortgages sitting around 2.6% and that they're looking at variables around 2.3%. So again, very affordable, but keep in mind that this could change. Now, Looking at the rest of the market, we're seeing that Toronto itself, I think we're going to see an overall it again. Once the numbers are released at the end of December, we're looking anywhere from 16 to 18% year over year consistency throughout the entire year. Now, that's important to, to notice because a lot of people were doing the month over month, meaning last year, you know, let's say the month of November, prices are up 19%. But in September, let's say they were up 16%. So we got to normalize the number and figure out the year over year. And again, if the numbers were not that great last year and for one month, but exceptional the next month, then what happens is our decrease in our percentage of increase. And so we try to get it stabilized. But overall, Toronto is going to probably break that 110,000 unit mark, which is incredible. Toronto Real Estate Board will keep us up to date on that. And of course, Aria now with the new CEO in place, Mr. Tim Hudak, will be working on some of their policies. And more or less, I think uh, Mr. Hudak going in there is a great idea because what he will do is he's going to take a look at the overall performance of the marketplace, take a look at the Ontario Real Estate Association and what changes can be made. So it'll be interesting to see what will shake up in 2017. Now, of course, this being our last show of the year, um, I want to make sure that uh, I thank everyone, uh, all our listeners. Our numbers recently came out. I am very proud to say that um, it, more and more of you are tuning in to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010. And I want to thank all of you. I love being your host here and having uh, people actually listen to the show. I love getting your inquiries, happy to help where I can. And more importantly, it's just a real honor to be able to do this. So I just want to thank all of you for tuning in in 2016. It was a banner year for the station and here for us at Simply Real Estate. So a wonderful, wonderful time. And of course, uh, coming up in the holidays, you know, when we do talk about money, because money is one of those things that when you're looking for mortgages, you want to make sure your credit's in good shape. Um, I'm not telling you not to go out and buy all the presents for everyone. Just be cautious because again, if you plan on buying a home in the new year, you don't want to be carrying too much credit card debt. The banks will crack down a little on everybody. I think next year, they're going to make it a little tougher to qualify, which they already have. And big credit card debt makes it a little bit harder for you to buy. Because one of the things that they will tell you to do is clear your credit card debt before you close on your property. And if you've cranked it up and you're using that money for a down payment, it might make it even more tough for you to be able to buy and get that dream home and start your life in 2017. So coming up after this, I'm going to have Mr. Paul Etherington join me, and we're going to be talking about the East End. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010.
more of Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. My next guest is broker owner of Royal Heritage Realty Limited, and uh, it is Mr. Paul Etherington. And Paul, thank you for joining us today at Simply Real Estate. Great to be here, Todd. Paul, you've been in the industry for uh, quite a few years. How long have you actually been in the, in the real estate world? I'm starting my 33rd year. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. You know, one of the things that uh, I love doing is being able to talk to professionals. Now, you are a f- the former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board. Uh, you know, you've definitely been part of the pulse of real estate over the last few years here. Um, you know, one of the things that we like to do is we like to kind of highlight some of the more attractive marketplaces or what's going on in marketplaces. You know, I want to talk to you today maybe a little bit about the uh, east side of Toronto. We've talked a sure. little bit in the past about, you know, Hamilton, Mississauga, some Etobicoke area, central Toronto. But more importantly, we're finding that, you know, uh, we, we hear the reports coming out that Oshawa, Pickering, Ajax, Whippy, all these areas are having incredible growth as well. It's not just the core of GTA. Um, can you give us an idea why we're seeing the same growth, basically? A lot of the reason is our prices are less. We don't have the double land transfer tax that Toronto has. If you come, and, and you're right, anywhere from Pickering, Ajax, Whitby, Oshawa, lots of families moving out here. They get a lot more for their money. Um, if you come out and you see the new recreation facilities that have been built out here, we have brand new arenas, brand new baseball diamonds. Many of our things are, are brand new or certainly in the last 10 or 15 years. The waterfront from Pickering right through to Oshawa is comparable to anything you'll find in Toronto. Uh, the 407 has made getting out here and getting into Toronto much easier. Go Transit is phenomenal. We can get to Toronto very quickly. And it, it's just, it's become a very great place to live for people that are starting out and for people that want to have more money for other things and don't want to be house poor. So, Paul, if we talk about affordability, you know, for our listeners' sake, because not everybody knows what kind of prices they can be looking at at the East End there, what are we looking for as far as, you know, let's let's take your basic either townhome, semi-detached or detached home. What price range should they be anticipating in that market? Okay, well, a townhouse in Pickering, uh, Pickering or Ajax, with, with a condo fee, can still be bought for $400,000. Uh, if you go a little bit further east to, uh, to Whitby, you're, you're probably just a little under that. And if you go into Oshawa with a condo fee, you can get a condominium townhouse for three hundred. In some cases, you can get them under 300000 um, A semi-detached house uh, in Pickering, or Ajax, you're looking in the six to seven hundred thousand range, and uh, would be probably five to six hundred. And Oshawa, you can get a semi-detached house in the fours. Now, if we look at detached, of course, we know that you know a lot of people that are trying to achieve family ownership, not just you know mm-hmm. buying real estate. Uh, you know, they're looking for something with your you know a couple of be- a couple extra bedrooms, so maybe a three or four bedroom home plus a a garage of some form. So, if we're looking into those marketplaces, what can they anticipate for something? Let's say that could be anywhere from the age age of ten to thirty years of age. What is there a price range they can look at? Um, you can buy a 2,000 square foot house, double garage, four bedrooms, uh, reasonable lot, 35 to 40 by 110, um, in in Pickering for 750 to 800 thousand dollars. Same with Ajax, about the same price in Ajax. 
Um, you can buy a little bit less in Whitby and uh, probably six fifty in uh, Oshawa. You can buy a eighteen hundred square foot bungalow in Pickering and Ajax for eight hundred thousand dollars. Double garage, three bedrooms. You can buy it for probably seven fifty. And in Whitby and Oshawa, you can buy a bungalow for six fifty to seven hundred thousand with. Uh, you know, 1,800 square feet. So that should be some pretty good news for our listeners because, you know, of course, in, in the Toronto area, you know, everybody talks the million-dollar price range automatically. Mm-hmm. And even at a million dollars, they're not getting a lot of square footage in a lot yeah. of these cases. They're just buying land value. Paul, where do you where do you see the market going? You know, for with somebody with your experience, you know, I've, I've been in the industry since the early 90s. One of the things that I've watched, obviously, is, you know, the run-up in the marketplace. And are, are we looking at, let's say, the outer market staying fairly steady and consistent throughout 2017, or should we anticipate an adjustment? I think we're going to see steady growth for the next three or four years. Um, and the reason I say that is, you know, there, there is some cycles and there might be a little bit of downtime or slower time, but I don't foresee any bubble. I don't think there's anything that's, um, you know, there's any reason to see a bubble. We have solid interest rates. We have good immigration. And I believe we're going to see six, seven percent price increases for the next three or four years. Um, we just had a property sold in Ajax. Um, it went for six seventy-five, and there were eight offers on the property. All those, all eight of those people wanted to live in that property. So now there's still seven people out there looking to buy a house similar to that. Yeah. And uh, so that gives you an idea. There's not speculators in the market like there was in the '80s. I mean, there might be some. There's not people buying it just to rent out. These are end users. These are people that are going to, by and large, these people are going to live in these properties. And because there's still multiple offers on many of them, I think we're we're good for the next two or three years, not even 2017. Excellent. So another quick question for you, because you, you know, your, your boots are on the ground in that marketplace. One of the things I would ask is, are you finding a lot of foreign investors? Now, I'm not referring to foreign buyers, the people that actually want to live here in Canada, they immigrate from other countries, but mm-hmm. actual foreign investors, people that, uh, you know, they, they pay taxes in another country. Are we seeing many of those in the East End? No, we are not seeing... We are not seeing very many of that, nor are we seeing a lot of people that are foreign buyers that are going to actually move and live here. We still are seeing, by and large, I'm not saying there's not any of them, but by and large, we are seeing end users that are moving out here from Toronto, from uh, from other areas, or they're, they're moving up or down from this area. We are not seeing foreign investment or foreign buyers in any great amount at this point in time. Paul, if uh, if our listeners want to reach out to you, what is the best way for them to be able to get in touch with you? Uh, if they want to reach out to me, they can call me at my office, uh, 905-831-2222. Excellent. Well, listen, Paul, thank you so much for joining us today at Simply Real Estate. We greatly appreciate it, and uh, it was wonderful having you. Thanks, Todd. It was great being there. That was Mr. Paul Etherington, broker owner at Royal Heritage Realty. And as he said, if you want to reach out to him, you can reach him at 905-831-2222 out in the uh, East End. There's still some affordability, some decent affordability, and give Paul a shout. I'm sure he can either take care of you himself or put you in touch with one of his agents and find out what is available in the East End. When we come back, I've got Greg Bennell joining me, so stay with us. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Now, 
of Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. I just want to thank Paul Etherington for joining me. And you know what, folks? If you're looking for a decent deal, I would agree. I've watched the numbers in the East End, looking at Oshawa, Pickering, Ajax, Whitby, that entire market. Uh, you know what? It's still exceptionally affordable, and they've done a lot of good work out there. You know, we've got great waterfront and some of the developments that are going in there. They're really building up some infrastructure. So it's a very, you know, positive place to open up your mind to be looking for affordability if you're looking for something in the detached home market. Now joining me is, uh, he is the host of House Money on BNN on Tuesdays, and it is, uh, I call him a real estate reporter, real estate professional. It is Mr. Greg Bennell, and uh, welcome back, Greg. Always a pleasure to be here. So, you know, uh, never, you know, it's funny, a week never goes by, and I think you and I have said this before, a week never goes by without something interesting in the world happening to influence real estate. You've got some uh, some fresh numbers that have just come out and uh, it's indicating that I think Canadians have taken a little bit of debt on. What do you think? Record levels of debt. This is uh, Stats Canada coming out with this number and people always hear it expressed as a percentage, but the easiest way to think about it is how much do you owe for every dollar of disposable income that you bring home a year? And finding out from StatsCan that we're at a new record, we owe a buck sixty-seven. So we owe someone that money. That's borrowed cash, a buck sixty-seven for every one dollar of disposable annual income. Now it's important to note that hopefully you don't owe that entire buck sixty-seven within one year because it's been being put against a year of income. But still, that's how we've done the measure, and that's at a record high. And when you actually look at what the bulk of that is, one point three trillion in mortgage debt. So it's pretty clear that as we push our debt levels up to record levels, what's behind it? It's behind these mortgages we're having to take out and larger and larger mortgages if you live in Vancouver, if you live in Toronto, or even some of the other hotter places now. We know areas like Hamilton are roaring higher as well, pretty much all through the GTA. So people are borrowing more and it is being noticed. The Bank of Canada has been warning us repeatedly. uh, These aren't at safe levels. You might want to think about saving a little bit of money. Yeah. Now, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, we we could talk about... uh, and maybe you you know you're going to want to weigh in on this with me but there is positive debt and negative debt mm-hmm. okay you know the negative debt of course is your credit cards and of course coming into the christmas season this is where everybody does the well well i can pay for it later pay for it later and this is uh if we had uh, dave butler with us we'd be talking about people refinancing in january and february kind of the number number 1 and 2 months for people to try to draw equity out of their property to pay their debt uh, normally is January and February. People want to turn around, re-leverage, put some more debt on their house, get rid of the credit card. Not a bad thing because of the interest rates, obviously. You don't want to carry that big balance on your on your credit cards. But I think people have to be a little bit more mindful. But when we talk about mortgages themselves, you know, is a mortgage, would you determine it as a bad debt or is it something that people can actually uh, use in a positive way? Uh, I guess it depends on how you're viewing your home. Most of us, it's, there's a, you're right, there's a big debate over is it bad debt? Can we call any debt good debt? But in the end, most people, working people, including you and I, who come to work, punch the clock, make a salary, can't afford to buy a house just with cash. It's not going to happen. I was, if I had to wait to save enough cash to get a house, I would never get a house. So you, you get that mortgage debt and it's just sort of the way it is. It's the kind of debt. I guess it depends how you start using it. And what you were talking about, about people refinancing in January 
in February. I'm a little con- more conservative how I view my debt. Yes, I have a mortgage on my home. It's going to take a while to pay off. But I would be very wary myself personally of going out and saying, I want that shiny new guitar. I want that shiny new car, that big television. I don't have the money. I'm just going to draw it out of the equity of my home. I think that's where people start need- needing to be cautious and realizing your home can be a good investment. It can be forced savings is what we were hearing. And if it goes yep. up in value like it has in Toronto, all the better for you and your net worth. But don't start viewing it as a piggy bank to get everything that your heart that, desires. That it ATM. all comes back to wants and needs, right? Yeah, that ATM. A lot of people do that. And this is where, you know, I agree with you. We have to caution people because using using your home as an ATM saying, hey, I've got it, I've, I can pay it back. The problem is, is that, you know, if we take a look at amortization, you know, the standard bank will turn around and offer out a 25-year amortization, which has, with the current interest rates, has made carrying this, this big debt a lot easier. Now, the, you know, you, you went down the road there for just for a second saying, you know, you know, not everybody can afford to pay cash for a home. But when you talk about mortgages and, and ownership of real estate and, you know, you know, I want your opinion on this, but you know, I obviously, and and my investors know this, I believe in proper leverage, Mm -hmm. meaning that if you can get a tenant to give you the correct return, meaning get the right balance of uh, rent coming in, you know, balancing your cash flow, having a positive cash flow out of a property, I think leverage is brilliant. And I think that affords people to be able to, you know, pay off, let's say, investment real estate. When you're doing it for yourself, you're using after-tax dollars. But then again, if you take a look at it and say, look, if I can use a little bit of that money and, and if the rates are staying low at that 3%, what can I get as a return as an investment? Now, again, we're not throwing money away here. It's actually solidified in you know brick and mortar when we do this. You know, if you were to analyze it all, does it make sense? I mean, should people be looking at this as, as an avenue with the positive cash flows and continuing to let somebody else pay down their debt? I think when it comes to my own principal residence where I live, when that mortgage is gone, I'm going to throw a party. I'm going ha- <laughs> to be happy that that debt is gone. I will throw, throw a party. It should sure. be sometime in the in the summer of God knows 2020-something. <laughs> but if you're, a, if you're a real estate investor and you have investment properties and they're, they're income properties for you, and then indeed, there's a whole school of thought just like when you're investing in the markets. If you use leverage and your investment is going higher, you're making money off the bank's money. Whoever loaned you that money, you're making a return off of that and not all the money that you had to put up. So it becomes wise from an investment point of view, but that's where it gets tricky too, where you just have to simply know what you're doing. A lot of people have made a lot of money making those investments. I would say, some people ask me about that sometimes. I say, just don't go in blind. Learn everything you can learn in the first place and understand leverage and understand that when you're leveraged, you can make a lot of money off of someone else's money. You can lose a lot of money too. Of course. And what a lot of people I think are making the mistake, and I, I, I always caution people from a speculative standpoint. So in other words, if you're taking a look at let's say brand new construction for yourself or as an investment, trying to forecast what it will be worth five years from now is a huge mistake Mm -hmm. because a lot of people right now, you know, we can take a look at the condos being built. You know, we can look out the window right now and there's a ton of cranes in front of us. You know, we we talk about Vancouver. We talk about some of these major markets that people are sitting there saying, hey, listen, I'm going to buy brand new construction. It's not going to close for five years, but more importantly, you know, we think that it's going to go up. I mean, look how much real estate's gone up in the last five years. So, you know what? It, it, it could be worth twice as much as what I'm buying it for. And this is, I think this is where people should not do any form of speculation in this marketplace. I think that if they turn around and say, if I own it now, if I rent it now, if it can cash flow now, it's going to be a sustainable investment. If they turn around and say, look it, I'm hoping I'm going to make 100000 on this five years from now when I go to flip it, 
I think that people need to check that because we're in a check market right now that if they don't do that, then they're going to run into problems. I think when you're in a market like the Toronto market that's run up for so long now and has run up to record levels, you have to start wondering. I'm not uh, a bear. I don't think it's all going to fall to pieces. But you do see in economic cycles, recessions come and go. It's been a while since we had the last one. That would be the biggest detriment to a housing market. People don't have their jobs. They can't afford their homes. And and things move in cycles. I actually sat down with the CEO of CIBC this week, and I talked to uh, Victor Dodig, and I talked to him about the fact that they're actually growing their loan book in Vancouver and Toronto. And I said, why why do you want to do that right now at this part? of the market. He talked about prudent lending to the right people, but he also talked about prudence and savings. And he's been sort of beating that drum this year that Canadians have to start thinking about putting some money away for a rainy day. And his big thing is that interest rates won't stay low forever. He doesn't know when they're going to go higher. He doesn't know what the catalyst is going to be, although Trump's been a bit of a catalyst. Uh, but they will move higher eventually. And that's you sort of got to prepare yourself for that day. Sure. And, you know, when uh, when RBC and TD released their, their numbers over the last few weeks, and of course, the TDs and RBC are the first ones that decided to change the, their own internal prime to a certain extent on mm-hmm. some of their mortgage. But then you take a look at CIBC, BMO, and Scotia. They're all showing Showing profit, so I think what they're doing is they're probably um, out negotiating some of the other banks. As you said, they're taking smart debt. They're looking at their risk. They're taking a look at their factors and saying, "Listen, we're open for business." And so I think that you know, coming forth in the next few years, I think the prudent banks that are going to be doing this are going to continue to achieve good success. Yeah, you got to make sure you're, you're granting the right loans, right? And that's what went wrong in the United States because the way that, I mean, it's a complicated <laughs> scenario that yeah. went down there. But in the end, the banks, sure. the people granting the loans didn't care what loans they were giving. They were just bundling them into bonds, selling them, making money. Didn't yeah. care what the quality was. You got to worry about the quality of what you're putting out the door because that's when everything starts to go wrong, when you're just loaning to people who shouldn't be borrowing at all. Yeah, excellent. Uh, Greg, I'm going to have you stay put. Um, folks, when we come back, we're going to have more with Greg Minnell. Uh, from PNN. We're going to be talking about the year coming up of 2017. And you know what? Let's reflect a little on 2016. And we'll talk more when we come back with Simply Real Estate right after this. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest this hour is Greg Bennell from BNN. He is also the host of House Money, and you that airs on Tuesdays at 5.30 on BNN, folks. Make sure you tune in. Greg's got a great show there, and he definitely keeps everybody up to date on what's going on. So do we right here at Simply Real Estate, and that's why I always like having Greg come on and chat. And Greg, you know, a couple of things, obviously, you know, we were just talking, you know, about uh, the, the increasing debt, uh, mortgage debt here in Canada. And, you know, you know there, people have to be prudent, obviously, with what they're doing. I, I Again, I'm very cautious with speculation in a marketplace like this. You know, 10 years ago, you know, great, you could be a speculator. Today, definitely not. Cash flow is going to be king. And I think that if people can understand that, you know, lock in. Locking in rates will not hurt somebody now if they're working with it as an investment. You know, lock it in for five years, focus on your pay down, you know, consistency. I think that's a positive right now for anybody that's going to be investing in the real estate market. But of course, you know, you've also, you know, your front line, you've been talking to people, obviously, um, you know, in the mortgage industry. Uh, what, uh, you know, can you bring us up to date on a few things? I guess it's really all those changes that came in through October and November. I had a chance on, on this week's episode of uh, House Money, which is on the website, being in 
CFM.ca to talk to the uh, president of Mortgage Professionals of Canada. And he was saying, as interesting as the changes were in November that's that's hitting the industry and the brokers aren't too happy, felt Ottawa dealt a bit of a heavy hand in making it harder for Canadians to get mortgages and harder for the non-banks to raise cash to grant mortgages. He thinks the real impact is going to come in the spring. Of course, we've settled into the deep freeze. I walked up from Union Station this morning. <laughs> you remember what winter is all about. I don't want to go to any open houses, but when the nice weather comes again and the buyers start coming out, that's when we're going to see a, a really what kind of impact it's going to have on the Toronto market in terms of it just being harder for that first-time home buyer to go to a bank and say, how much can I qualify for? We know those changes took away a lot of their purchasing power, about 16 to 20% by some accounts. So it's going to be a, a bit of a different picture in the spring. So we're going to have to see if that demand holds up. But right now, we're not seeing any signs of Toronto slowing. So it'll be interesting to see sort of how everything comes to a head. And if the government is now content to sit on the sidelines in 2017 and see how it all shakes out or come in and do something else, because no one that I spoke to in the mortgage industry saw that one coming in October when uh, Finance Minister Bill Morneau dropped all those new regulations on them. Yeah, and you know, I think I think part of the problem that uh, that the government has is that, as you said, they they didn't let anybody know. They won't forewarn them, um, and. I don't necessarily think that they attacked it at the best, you know, best way. Taking a look at, you know, hurting first-time homebuyers. Now, I agree. We don't want first-time homebuyers to over-leverage out of the gate, okay? Mm-hmm. Obviously, they have to do something sustainable. But I think they're, they're, they, they should have had some form of, you know, caveat that if you've never owned a home, then you can, you know, qualify at this as long as, you know, they put a stress test in place. It doesn't have to be at the extreme that it is. Because as you said, they've actually carved out the market. What it's done is it's dropped about 20% of their buying power right now with these new rules. So if you could qualify roughly at about 400,000, you now can qualify for 320. Well, that's substantial in the first-time homebuyer market. If we're if we're hovering around anything up to 500,000 as a first-time homebuyer, you know, now you're 400. And this is going to have an impact, as you said, in the spring market. Now, speaking of the spring market, you know, 2017, if we get our crystal ball out, you know, there's a lot of things that you and I, you know, can can try to forecast. Of course, we won't know the effect until we actually get there. But if we talk about interest rates and things like that, um, I personally think that, of course, the banks always get aggressive in the spring markets. One of the things that we have not felt, and I'm going to go back probably as far back as 2014, is we haven't had our typical spring markets in the last two years. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons why I I identify it that way is that we had multiple offers basically for 24 months straight. Everybody, you know, there, there was this huge pent up demand, low inventory. We've had low inventory for almost 30 months. Okay. In the real estate industry. So we never had the full cycle. Full cycle typically uh, equates to us seeing a run up in starts, starts in February, finishes in June, summer dies, a little bit of a blip of an increase coming from October through to the end of November. And then it drops off again. So we, we very much see the cycle. Haven't seen it last 30 months. It's been, you know, everything to the wall, keep going. People will buy whenever. What do you see for 2017? I think it'll be interesting to watch a a few things, and one of them will be the Canadian dollar. When you're talking about the Toronto market not cooling off and just running straight through the year, Vancouver, when you take a look at when it peaked, it actually peaked in January and February. I know they have nicer winters than we do, and maybe you do want to go out and look at a house, but at the same time, that's when the loonie hit its low of the year. It basically just crashed before it clawed its way back up. So people think, and did the foreigners come out and play? If we get some uh, further loonie weakness, which people think we're going to get because we're either going to stand pat 
on interest rates at the Bank of Canada throughout 2017 before we even think about raising them, maybe even cut if we have to. And the states is on that steeper path higher. It's going to be slow and gradual, but they are identifying saying, you know, rates are going up in the states. That's going to further weaken our currency. So what does that mean in terms of the foreign buyer? And that gets into a whole new debate about what kind of influence do they have in the Toronto market. It'd be interesting to see if uh, if there's a correlation. There was a very steady one in Vancouver earlier this year about the amount of uh, sales that were coming in as the loonie basically cratered. Sure. Listen, it makes a lot, a lot of sense. I mean, when we were down to the point where, you know, they were getting an extra 35 cents on our dollar, it made real estate very affordable. And this is also why we saw, you know, a fair bit of the the American buyers coming up. You know, forget about China and, and, and a lot of the Asian buyers. That yeah, why not get a cottage on Lake Joe for 35% off? Well, th- this is basically what the, a lot of the Americans were doing. And now with the idea of Mr. Trump coming in and saying, hey, listen, let's repatriate our money. Let's bring it back. I'm not going to charge you this, not going to charge you that. You know, uh, one of the questions I think that a lot of people up in the Muskoka areas or, or in the in the prime vacation property areas of both, you know, Vancouver, Montreal and, and the Muskokas are probably looking at it saying, okay, are we going to see a exodus of the uh, of the American buyers? Yeah, if if there are, if our dollar can hold in the value and they do not want to come up here and play, uh, interesting too. Yeah, if the American economy starts humming and there's a sense that you want to invest in America, what does it mean for the Canadian economy? And what does it mean for rates? Because we saw the rates move higher because Donald Trump's policies are seen as pro-inflationary. The market moved higher. Everyone thinks this is going to be a pro-growth administration in the White House. So when the spring market comes, what does the yield curve look like? I know that gets started getting esoteric too, but I think most real estate investors sort of understand when you're talking about the fixed mortgage market, you're looking at five-year yields and that curve has steepened. So even if the banks hold steady, but the bond market tells us that it's going to cost more to borrow money, what, is it, what happens in the spring? And we're used to, as you were saying, that the banks come out in the spring and say, you know, we want a little more market share. We're going to offer a lower rate. But that's been pretty easy for them to do in the past couple of years because rates have been so low. But if they're looking at higher funding costs, I'm starting to wonder in the spring market, are we going to get as rich of deals, at least from our side, from the home buyer side, as we have in the past from the banks? Yeah. And and that's a good point because a lot of people, you know, they what they do is they kind of hold off. They watch the banks. They get the banks fighting with each other. You know, the banks are a little bit more hungry for the business. So, you know, you, you put one bank against the other and sometimes you get that, you know, 0.2 extra off just because you, if you sign right now, you know, it's sort of like, a, you know, going going for a negotiation. If you sign today, you know, you'll get the Ginsu knives and this rate. <laughs> the toaster. Exactly. Um, so, you know, for, for a lot of people, I think that um, folks, if, if there's a piece of advice I can give you, always remember you can negotiate. And if you're going to get the best deal in, in the actual mortgage industry, you have to talk to more than one person. I mean, you have to turn around, you know, educate yourself out there. That's one of the things that I would advise people for sure for 2017. Make sure you, you, uh, you know, meet with several lenders before you jump into the fray because, you know what, you do want somebody that, A, is going to give you a, a very attractive rate. But more importantly, a lot of people I don't think, Greg, are aware of some of the rules uh, in their mortgages, meaning the ability of paying paying it off. The, yeah, exactly. You know, that rate looks amazing, uh, but then you see the little caveats that go alongside what do you mean I can't make bulk payments? What do you mean I'm going to get penalized if I want to close off early? Well, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. And a lot of people don't realize that, you know, listen, life happens. If, you know, divorce, you know, whatever, job change, job loss, you can get hit with penalties. And if they're, you know, it depends how, if the money's out, if there's a differential that they're going to have to pay, a lot of people have to understand what that is. So again, folks, make sure you get your education on it. Um, so quick, uh, quick review for uh, 2016. What did you think of the year? I mean, you know, I, I, I know it's hard to, you know, you know 
call it all into one yeah. one minute or two minutes. But you know, it was uh, it was a very interesting year. I think it was uh, you know a lot of things happened. Vancouver, all sorts of different things. What do you think? I actually made the argument at BNN that real estate, and I'm a little bit biased being the real estate reporter and the house of house host of house money, but was the story of the year, and not just because of the record sales volumes and not the record high prices, which captured all the headlines, but the fact that policymakers of all levels of government finally felt the need to step in and say, you know what, we can't let the market go on its own. We have to make some changes to try to cool cool demand, try to lessen the risk of the financial system. They seem to be worried about something. Everyone says, don't worry, it's just prudence. But when I think when all these players start coming together, the CMHC, the finance department, the city of Vancouver, the province, they're getting concerned about something. So, so it's definitely something to watch. As I say, again, I'm not a bear on the market and I have a vested interest. I have a house, I have a mortgage. I want to see it hold its value, but it's going to be interesting times ahead to see in terms of whether these markets can hold their strength. Yeah, I, de- I definitely think, you know, the, the new story of real estate in 2016, I think the flip-flopping of the foreign buyers and going after the foreign buyers, I think that the foreign buyers are kind of part of the highlight. You know, what was driving Canada's market? Was it truly the foreign buyers or is it just strictly interest rates? And I think that, you know, they got painted a target on their back. I think that, um, you know, people have to understand foreign investment and foreign Foreign buyers are two different things. Exactly, some foreign yeah. buyers are coming here to live, plant some some roots, and the foreign investors they're just trying to you know make money. So I think that people have to understand that. And I think that was probably one of the biggest takeaways this year for me in 2016 is how the government got involved in it. Do I think they made the right call? I think something had to be done, but I don't necessarily think they did it the right way. Yeah, they might have came. I think we had this discussion where they came in the front end of it, but maybe they should be considering the back end. If you're an investor you and it. you're looking to make a quick buck in Canada, that's when we ding you. Yeah, when you take it out, yeah. tell you what, we'll take we'll take more of a pound of flesh on the way out <laughs> yeah. than on the way in. And I think that's great. Listen, Greg, always a pleasure to have you join us uh, here at Simply Real Estate. Uh, and again, 5.30 on Tuesdays on the BNN Network. You can watch House Money with host Greg Bunnell. Uh, Greg, I, uh, I want to wish you and your family, obviously, all the best for the holidays. Um, and uh, you don't know, look forward to having you back in 2017 with us. I look forward to it as well. All the best to you in the holidays. Thank you. And so, folks, listen, I uh, I want to be able to wish everybody a, uh, a Merry Christmas, safe holidays through the season. This is it. This is our last show until 2017. When we come back in 2017, we're going to be at 3 p.m. We've got a new time slot. So make sure you listen to the commercials if you don't remember, because you won't hear me at four anymore. You're going to start hearing me at three in the new year. And I want to thank my producer, Ian Grant, for making sure everything happens here. And I want to thank you for tuning in as usual. Uh, It's a real pleasure for all of us here at Simply Real Estate. All the best, safe holidays, and we will talk to you in the new year. 